All right, well, every once in a while, every month or so, we like to have somebody from our congregation come up and share their life story. So I'm going to actually invite Becky Watson to come on up. Um, as part of the spiritual formation groups, they've been sharing their life stories, and so they, she's already shared that with that smaller group, and we thought it'd be good to, to, for the whole congregation, edifying for the whole congregation to hear. Thanks, Becky. And as part of that project, as a spiritual formations group, we write our testimony for someone who maybe is not a, who is not a Christian, he doesn't know all the details. So um, it just you hear it through those, those ears maybe. I'm a Christian, which means that I believe that God created and owns the whole world, that he spoke to us through the Bible, that everyone who has broken God's, everyone has broken God's laws and deserves punishment, and that his son Jesus died on a cross to pay the punishment we deserve so that we could be forgiven from our sins. People think about Christianity as one religion to choose out of a group of options. But my personal experience is that it feels more like a relationship with a person, Jesus, that has grown deeper throughout my life. I'm very grateful that both my parents love Jesus, brought me to church each week, and taught me about God and the Bible from an early age. The faith I observed in my parents was authentic. I always knew that they actually believed what they said they believed. My parents encouraged me to make a decision to believe in Jesus at a very young age. And at a very young age, I did that. I remember praying with my dad one night before bed, asking Jesus to forgive me for my sins and to let me go to heaven someday. When I first declared my belief in Jesus at that young age, I didn't understand much about him. I'm sure that at least some of my motiv motivation was to please my parents. Maybe I wanted to please God too. I know I was afraid of hell and I wanted to go to heaven. But despite my immaturity and lack of knowledge, I believe my relationship with Jesus began that night. I believe this because the Bible tells me that a relationship with Jesus is not earned. It's a gift we receive. We don't have to know a lot or do a lot. It's God's grace that allows us to respond with belief and faith. And it is this undeserved gift of God's grace that has been the hallmark of my life. As I grew up, my parents and church leaders taught me about Jesus. Stories from the Bible, how to pray to him, and how to obey him. These are things that I was always eager to learn because I like to please my parents and teachers. But God's grace used life experiences to deepen my relationship with Jesus, to move from knowing about him to actually knowing him. The summer before sixth grade, I went to sleepaway camp for a week, and I was very, very homesick. I literally cried the whole week. It's really embarrassing to think about now. It feels silly to think about, but this was some of the deepest suffering I had experienced at that time. I remember lying in my camp bunk on Tuesday or Wednesday night, tears streaming down my cheeks, and I was wrestling with truth and lies. I was trying to remind myself of what I knew about God, that he was good, that he was with me, and that he was enough for me, but I still felt lonely and afraid. The most profound part of this experience was the tension, was that the tension I felt was inescapable. I couldn't rely upon my parents' faith. I had to decide if my relationship with Jesus was something I was going to claim as my own. God was giving me the opportunity, 
opportunity to see if I was going to trust him. Through God's gift of grace, I did trust him. I didn't necessarily feel better right away. I know I didn't stop crying. But for the first time that I can remember, I had to take the things I knew in my head and submit my heart to them. I had known the right answers before, but now I was trusting them. And through that, I learned something about myself and something about Jesus and my identity in him. My relationship with him deepened. The entire year of sixth grade ended up being pretty hard for me. I had to go to a new school, and I struggled to make friends. I was teased by other kids, and it was a lonely time in my life. But Jesus was continuing the work he had started in me. I began reading my Bible every night and writing out desperate prayers to God, not just because I felt like I should, but because I needed to. God was teaching me to find rest, comfort, and peace in him. And even though those days felt like deep waters to walk through at the time, now I would not trade them for the world. Those are the days I learned to love God as a father and as a friend. In January of that same school year, the pastor of my church preached a sermon one Sunday about um, baptism, and I got a huge pit in my stomach. I knew that I should be, make the decision to be baptized, but I was filled with fear. I was afraid of approaching my pastor and asking to be baptized. I was afraid of being interviewed by the deacons. I was afraid of standing up in front of everyone at church. And all that Sunday afternoon, I was in turmoil. I knew what I needed to do, but I was afraid to do it. I tried to get my dad to ask the pastor for me, but he wisely refused. He told me, you know what you need to do, so you need to do it. Through God's grace, he gave me the courage to approach my pastor. I remember being so nervous for the interview with the deacons, but Jesus was with me. The morning I got baptized, I have a very clear memory of standing in the baptismal gown on the steps, waiting to walk down in the baptismal tank. Linda Bishop was with me. And God had given me a supernatural peace and calm. So I walked down those steps into the water. I remember telling God in my heart, okay, this is it. I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Before being baptized, I read John 5, 24 from a three by five card I prepared. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes, in, believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He will be crossed over from death to life. When I had first prayed to Jesus as a child, I believed that God had done that for me. He had given me eternal life and removed my condemnation. But it took sixth grade sadness for me to learn what that meant in a personal way. And Jesus had done that again, and Jesus has done that again and again throughout my life. He has brought me through hurts, disappointments, and sadness. But on the other side of those struggles has been a deeper and more real sense of the new life I enjoy in him. But God didn't stop working on me then. My relationship with Jesus continued to grow, and he lovingly, patiently, and sometimes painfully sanded away the harsh edges of sin and pride in my heart. In high school and college, I was the good girl. I loved going to church, and I loved talking about theology, and I even started thinking about pursuing children's ministries as a career as early as eighth grade. By the time I was in college, I had a pretty good idea of how I wanted my life to unfold. I had plans about what type of person I wanted to marry and when I wanted that to happen. And I found myself telling God what and how he could use me best. I ended up enrolling at Cedarville University in Ohio to pursue a degree in teaching. But after one semester, I decided to come home and attend Grand Valley State University. My dad had just been hired to his first pastoral position at Wyoming Park Bible Fellowship. 
and I wanted to be a part of his work here. I found myself in another season of loneliness as I was living at home, commuting to school, and attending a small church where there were few people my own age. And to my disappointment, my life was not progressing according to the schedule I had laid out for God. And this was just when Facebook had started. So I had a front, view, front row view of all the perfect weddings, gorgeous homes, and adorable babies being born to my friends from high school in Cedarville. And these things were... I, These were things I was praying and longing for, but instead I felt stuck in a holding pattern. I really wanted to get married, but in my current life station, it felt impossible. I'm ashamed to admit that I let doubts and covetousness take root in my heart. I was especially angry to see people who hadn't been as good as I had been sailing effortlessly through life. It didn't feel fair. I had done all the right things, and I found myself single and lonely. And all the boy-crazy and shallow girls were happily married, so I thought. I began to wonder, what's the point? Why did I try so hard to do the right thing? But even in the season God was at work, he led me to Psalm 73, which has been a, become a very precious passage of Scripture to me. In this psalm, Jesus lovingly spoke truth in my heart. In verses 1 through 17, the psalmist laments, this is my own words, I know God is good. I know that, but I have doubts in my heart because the wicked people around me are prospering. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are carefree and rich, and I envy them. In my life, I kept my heart pure, and I wash my hands in innocence, and all day long I'm afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. Of course, I can't say those things out loud. I can't let anyone know I'm thinking these things because it might cause them to stumble because I don't have an answer for this. I remember reading those verses and being shocked. That was exactly how I felt. So I eagerly read the next verses. After validating my feelings, God gave me a perspective, a new perspective in verses 18 through 20. It's as if he gently lifted my chin so that my eyes would turn away from the temporary concerns of my life and lifted my face towards an internal perspective. He showed me that these things that I interpreted as a charmed life were in reality so fleeting. Those who put their trust in the pleasures of this world stand on slippery ground, and one word, God, could bring them to ruin. And then verses 21 through 22, God humbled me with a different truth. My goodness, quote-unquote, wasn't really good. In my version of events, I was innocent and God owed me reward. But the truth is, I wasn't really innocent. I wasn't good. I was a sinner. I was senseless. I was ignorant. God didn't owe me anything. I hadn't earned anything except for punishment. And lastly, verses 23 through 28 calibrated my desires. Psalm 73, 25 says, Who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I thought that I wanted to get married. I thought that I wanted to have an impressive Instagram feed. But the God who created me knows me better than I know myself. He designed my heart to want him and him only. All the other things I want are only cheap and temporary substitutes for the living water that my soul truly thirsts for. It took time, still taking time, but God is patiently and tenderly teaching me to trust him that he is my portion. The more I internalize the truth, the more I experience. 
This joy isn't tethered to circumstances or my own fickle emotions, but to Jesus, who is unchanging and faithful. When God did graciously and lovingly give me the beautiful life I now enjoy with my husband and my daughter, I was able to enjoy it in its proper context. If I were looking to Eric to fulfill my deepest longings, it would have been such a heavy burden on our relationship, and I wouldn't have found the satisfaction I was looking for. But since my cup is already filled by Jesus, I am free to love and be loved by him in a way that brings such rich blessing to my life. In the past year, my relationship with Jesus has been especially sweet. Just as Psalm 73 was precious to me in my 20s, John 15 has been precious to me in my 30s. Jesus continues to prune my heart like a grapevine and bring forth new spiritual fruit. I used to think that God's work in my life would be him using me to do ministry for others. My focus was always looking for external fruit of God using me for his plan. How many people could I lead to the Lord? How many kids would come to VBS? How many people could I rescue from their, from their sadness? When I focused on these external evidences, I was constantly exhausted and discouraged. But now I'm learning that a relationship with Jesus is less about what I do and a lot more about what he is doing in me. I might never have the kind of external fruit to point to. My life may never seem remarkable to someone else, but the changes that I know that God has made in my heart are indisputably miraculous and exciting to me. He has shown me, showing me what it means to rest in his grace, to live a life powered by the spirit of re resurrection. I find myself overcome with gratitude for the gospel. I feel like I'm learning so much, it's hard for me to understand how I could spend a life learning about Jesus and not feel like I've scratched the surface. In fact, recently I was going through some old journals from high school, and in these journals I read Bible study notes I had written in high school on the very same passage I had studied that same morning. And I was filled with grief because in spite of my effort in high school, I had, it had taken 15 years for me to internalize these truths. I ended up calling my dad in tears. Why did God make me wait 15 years to understand these things? Why couldn't I understand these things in high school so that I could have had 15 years of fruit instead of 15 years of confusion? After talking to my dad, I was reminded that my relationship with Jesus is just that, a relationship. Just like a spousal relationship, it takes time, life experience, and years of communication to understand each other. If I could travel in time and try to explain to single Becky or even newly married Becky how much she would love Eric, she wouldn't understand. She had to go through the years, the tears, and the trials, and the late night talks. And that is how it has been with Jesus. Just like the hymn says, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And that is how I know the best is yet to come. Because I have eternity, I have eternity of knowing Jesus ahead of me.